There's a, a scripture in this week's Torah portion that when I read it, my heart and my spirit leaps with excitement. And I can even weep my eyes as I read it because I believe there is something very, very important and very, very spiritual and full of truth and full of wisdom and full of divine reality within this simple little thing that we read in the scripture. And I pray that what I share speaks to you because while it makes me weep and it makes my spirit leap, I'm really having trouble articulating it. I've been praying about it all week and I've been thinking about it. And one thing this Shabbat across New England has, 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 has caused is that I no longer have Friday nights to sit and work on messages. So now i got no time to write nothing down. So it's all just kind of there. But I know there's something really rich here. So I'm going to pull a mark, and I'm just going to read scripture. Or I'm not even going to do that, I'm going to paraphrase it. So this week's Torah portion, called Mishpatim, right? Yes. Is it, this Torah portion has a whole bunch of, just a whole bunch of laws. Like we've been through a narrative with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's a story. It's like you're reading a story. And then last week, as we spoke about, was Shavuot, which was the giving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Now all of a sudden, we, we exit a phase in the Torah that's been kind of a story that we've been following. And now all of a sudden, there's a bunch of laws. And the first laws that Adonai gives happens to be about slavery. And just to clarify... So there's no misunderstanding. The slavery, even though it's this, we see it as written in English as slavery, the slavery that we read in this week's Torah portion is not the forced labor that has happened, let's say, either to Africans or to other people groups throughout human history where they've been taken against their will and put under a forced labor where they become property and... They, they lost their humanity, and it's a, it was obviously a, just a dreadful and disgusting, disgusting thing. But the slavery that we read about in this Torah portion is a different thing, so I want you to understand that, number one. The, the slave and the owner or the master have a mutual agreement to have this relationship for a period of time. The slave did not get taken against his or her will. It is a mutual agreement that this person says, I'm destitute, I don't have money, I don't have a home. I'll tell you what, we'll come into an agreement, I will work for you, I will be yours, you'll be my owner for a time, and then he or she is set free. It's a mutual agreement, it's a different thing than this ugly thing that, this, that humans do where they take people and put them under forced labor. So I want, I want you to understand that. Because, like, how can Adonai, like, you know, why did he just abolish slavery? 
What he said was that you, Jewish people, you Israelites, you came through a season of forced labor, but I'm going to allow this economic system where somebody that's destitute can just work for somebody, but I'm going to establish rules and laws to make sure that you're not mistreated. So the master, if he beats his slave, he's punished. If he kills a slave, he has a death penalty, and the slave is released after six years with gifts. I mean, with, 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 with lavish gifts and money, and it's released. So it's always temporary, it's for a season, and they're released with gifts. So it's a different, it's a different type of thing. It's this little economic thing that Adonai allowed. So, we read about it in the first part of this Torah portion, but then something really unique happens. This is where my spirit leaps, and I'm not even sure why. So, at the end of six years... The slave must be set free. Okay, do we understand that? The slave must be set free at the end of six years. And there's a very spiritual thing with that because we know that there's six days of labor and the seventh day is a day of rest. And even for all of creation, we know there's a millennial kingdom, a thousand year reign of Mashiach on earth. That's the 7,000th year. There's so the 6,000 years of humanity working. And then a 7,000th year of rest. So it's the same type of system for six years the slave is in this place, but the seventh year is the year of his release. Or her release. So it's this amazing thing. They get to go. However, Something kind of weird happens in this week's Torah portion. If the slave... Oh, so first it says this. It says, if the slave comes in to his slavery single, he leaves single. If the slave comes in married, he leaves married. However, if during the course of the slavery, the master gives him a bride and children. The bride and the children stay with the master. But if the slave loves the master and loves his bride and loves his children, he can forego his freedom and say, I know it is my time of release. But I choose to stay. And if that happens, the master says, okay. So he takes an awl, like a spike, and he pierces his ear, the slave's ear, into the door or doorpost. Thus, the slave will remain with the master forever. So I will let that just sit with you for a moment because my spirit leaps when I read this and I don't know why. But there may be something in it where you're just, yes, I understand it, I understand it. So I just allow Adonai to speak these words to you. God is the God who was, who is, and who is to come. Yeshua, our Messiah, we know, fulfills all of the Torah. Every little bit of the Torah, he fulfills. 
take any verse, he will he fulfilled it when he was on earth, or he will fulfill it. Take the verse in Deuteronomy that says if you have a bowel movement, you have to bury it. He fulfills that too. Do I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> he fulfills all of the Torah. So he fulfills this, and we know that he is the one. There's so much in here. Adonai, help me. The slave loves the people in the house and loves his master. Who is the master Hallelujah. of the house? God is the master of the house. Hallelujah. The slave loves the master and loves the bride he was given and the children he was given. So he says, I am going to forego my freedom and be nailed to the doorpost. What was on the doorpost? The blood of the lamb. There's two things that are written about the doorpost in scripture. The blood of the lamb is on it at Passover, and the Torah itself is on it when it says, you shall write it on the doorpost of your house and upon your gates. It shows that the lamb of God is the Torah, the living Torah. Our Jewish people don't fully understand that. They see it as two separate things, but those are the two things that are on the doorpost. They must be the same thing. Yeshua, the Lamb of God, and the living Torah. Yeshua is the Lamb. Yeshua is the Torah. Both are on the doorpost. But in this Torah portion, there is a third thing that is nailed, nailed to the doorpost, the same place that the blood of the Lamb was, 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 was spread on. So Yeshua is the slave who loves his master and loves his bride so much that instead of having his freedom, he gets nailed to the doorpost so he can remain in the house of the master. Hello, houses of the master. Forever. Yeshua had his moment where he could have went up back up to heaven and be done with this whole thing, but no, he was nailed. He was nailed to the cross, nailed to the doorpost of the house, so he remains in the household forever. But there's further revelation, I believe, in, in what is being said here. Further revelation outside of what Yeshua did on the cross. Because God is the God who was, who is, and who is to come. All I know is that there is something divine about saying, my freedom is this way. My release is this way. But I love this house so much. I'm not leaving. I'm staying. And when you do that, or if Adonai creates this opportunity, whatever house you love, and whatever it means where you can be set free, where you say, you know what, I'm going to stay, 
When that slave, you, gets nailed to the doorpost, you are doing to that house what Yeshua did. So in that moment, you are doing to that household what Yeshua did. You are being nailed to the doorpost, the same place that the Lamb's blood was shed, the same place that the Torah is written. And if you're all looking at me like, what the heck are you talking about? I feel the same way. But there's something great in this great revelation of foregoing what we view as freedom and saying, I'm staying. The church is looking to get out of here in a rapture. But God is the God who was what Yeshua did on the cross. He's the God who is how he's going to manifest this through you in whatever opportunity it is. But he's the God who is to come. And many people in the church are waiting to get taken out in a rapture. God bless you. I'm sorry to tell you there's no rapture. I'm sorry to tell you that. The ones that get left behind are the righteous. Ain't the sinners. Yeshua said, Matthew 24, the Son of Man coming is like days of Noah. When everybody was kind of doing their own thing, eating, drinking, and getting married, not so bad, they were just doing their own thing. And they had no idea the flood was coming until they were taken. So shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man. One will be taken and one will be left behind. Do I need to repeat that? One will be taken, one will be left behind. Like in the days of Noah, when people were doing their thing, and then the flood came, and they were taken. So who's the ones that were taken? And who's the ones that were left behind? It's pretty obvious. Okay? It's pretty obvious. But there is a great revelation. And again, I don't know what this means. Because we have this hope of glory of going to heaven and being like Moses and Aaron in the Torah portion where they're eating and drinking with God. Sapphire floor kind of thing. But there is revelation that says, I am staying. Because I love this house. I love this house. I love this house. I'm not going. There was a time that Susie and I were ministering in music in our heavy metal music ministry. We were at some conference in New Hampshire. And there were some folks there that were asking me about my dad when my dad was alive. My dad has all, had Alzheimer's or dementia. And they were like, how, you know, your dad. And we were talking about my dad and how I love my father and how, you know, all the things that you know, what was going on with my dad at the time, how rough that was. Then they also asked me the very, the standard religious question. Is he saved? Which means, is he going to heaven? And does he accept Jesus? I get it. I get it. Amen. Yeshua is the only way to heaven. He's the only way to the kingdom. That's the fact. He's the only way. But they asked me if he's saved. And what came out of my mouth at the time made them cry. 
And I said, I don't know. But all I know is this. When it's time for me to enter in, and he's not there, I'm going back to ghetto. Because I'm not going in without him. Because I love him. And then this religious person started to weep. That's not biblical. I don't know. In this Torah portion, there is a slave who gave up his freedom. And remember, six years release. Six days, Shabbat. Six thousand years, a thousand years. It relates to the millennial kingdom. It relates to salvation. The work for six years and then the year of release. It relates to the kingdom. It relates to the millennial kingdom. It relates to salvation. As a matter of fact, you know, the only way to read the New Testament is by knowing fully, is by knowing Torah. It's the only way of understanding it 100%. You have Paul saying, you know, if you're single, don't get married. And if you're married, don't look to get, don't get married. Don't look to, to break it. Stay in the place where you were called. That comes from this Torah portion. Because it says the slave, he comes in single, he leaves single. If he's saved single, he's, if he, he goes to the kingdom single. Married goes in married. It comes from the Torah. So even with Paul, it relate, he was relating it somehow to the salvation experience. If you're single when you're called, you're single when, when it happens. So he relates this thing to salvation. So there is something about saying, I'm going to forego salvation. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that is what Yeshua did. He, in a way, in a sense, gave up his salvation because he loved his bride and he loved his master. So he nailed himself to the doorpost. And I believe there is a time for the body of Messiah when they finally realize that they're not getting taken out. That they will enter into a calm of saying, I will forego this because I love the world. And I'm staying. We have a rabbi, Rabbi Peter, who went to Haiti. And a lot of people are like, that's the salvation land. I'm going to go there at some point. I tell you, there are people that say, Baruch Hashem, I'm staying. I'm telling you there are people whose salvation moment will be Baruch Hashem. But I'm not going. I'm staying right here. Whatever happens here. Because that's where Adonai has called me. I pray that in a spiritual way beyond the words spoken that Adonai is connecting puzzle pieces about who you are in the kingdom who he is in you and how much Yeshua, the one who is in you, loves the houses of God. The slave that for goat or gone or went or went to or go it his freedom to stay in the house. There is revelation in that for every one of us. And how the slave 
gets nailed through the ear. God wants us to listen. The Hebrew word for all that goes through the ear, ain't no other place, no other place in all of Tanakh, all of the New Old Testament, where that Hebrew word is used. It's exclusive for that. Makes me wonder if it's the same word that would be used for the nails that went through Yeshua on the cross. 